All right, everybody, welcome back to season two of Why Not Show Love podcast, episode number 12. It's a big number. We got the big guy in the building, original QU legend, uh, official Bam Bizzler. We're reporting <laughs> live uh, from Blank Bamboo. He goes by the name of Larry On. Or, you know, for this convo, we might just refer to him as L, but he's in the building right now. He is a musician, multi instrumentalist. You know, primarily a guitarist and a visionary. He's got an EP coming out next month called Vibrations. So stay tuned to that. The link will be in the description. You can catch him on IG at Larion Music. That's L A R I O N. And uh, we're going to dive right into this. So I'm going to first allow the brother to introduce himself, say a little bit of words about him, his background, and just give y'all a little bit of insight. All right, brother. So let us know a little bit about your background, family, and you know your history. Yo, so my name is Larion. I've been playing for a while now, um, about 10 years. I think I'm going on to like 11 now. Um, I've been playing guitar, bass, uh, you know, mandolin, all these different instruments that kind of, they're different, but they coincide just like our backgrounds, you know. Um, Tell you a little bit about my background. Uh, I started playing when I was 10. My uncle showed me a few things here and there. Um, I really, you know, I, I really just enjoyed the texture of the sound, the texture of the notes that I could make with the guitar. And that's how I started to play. And you know, slowly you start to memorize what you like, slowly you, you know, learn what you don't like, what, who you are. It's kind of like growing up as a person, you know, you figure things out about yourself you figure things about other people and that's just kind of how my musical journey has been um yeah my background is russian so i have the opposite of the american culture uh in my life uh you know obviously those of you that know the history of the two countries know about the cold war um so it's it's been a it's been a real privilege actually to have both Russian and American uh, exposure in my life because it it makes you feel and it makes you more compassionate as a person towards different communities and different uh, people around us. You know what I'm saying? It's uh, it's it's not just about being American. It's not just about being Russian. It's not just about being Spanish. It's it's about being a person. We all have to struggle, and uh, that's something that I've always. Uh, kind of known since I was a child, you know, little boy, um, you know, even, even having my parents that were ESL helping me with English homework, you know, we were all learning in that process. So, um, that's a little bit about my background, my, uh... wow, that's dope. I really relate to that coming from like an immigrant family myself. You know, I was born out here in Queens. Mm. But I noticed, like, you know, in my early developmental, like, my folks were training me for a world and a society that they were in. And then here I was, kind of like you said, your parents were helping you with English, and they were learning English themselves. Right, right. So how, how are these family members supposed to help us and guide us and give us a strong foundation when they themselves were students, right? So I think that's a big plight, right, of um people come from immigrant families or different backgrounds, right? And I want you to tap in on that a little bit. Like, mm. obviously, we're exposed to the arts through, through the uncle, right? And then you got into this, you're in this society, 
folks are there trying to help out and do what they can you know i'm mm-hmm. sure they did the best they could but sometimes yeah, it doesn't give us the tools up, yeah. we need <laughs> so uh yeah dive into that a little bit brother yeah you know it's definitely something that you kind of also know from an early on stage you know the 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 knowledge that we're all students regardless of religion regardless of you know where we're coming from you know i remember there were times when i would have my parents help me my folks helping me and uh you know we would get the questions wrong right and uh the the, the grade would come back wrong and they'd be like uh, what 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 happened here you know and i'd be like look we're all students you know this is us um Tell me a little bit more about your background. Where where did your uh, parents originally come from? How was it for them coming here? Mm. How was it growing up around that? Yeah, so for those who just tuning into this episode, um, my I'm born and raised in Queens, so I'm a Queensian. Mm, me too. S- especially now that uh, I'm living in Brooklyn, I'm claiming Queens harder than ever. <laughs> I realize how Queens I truly am. Uh, just in like my laid backness, my wantingness for more space, my wantingness for, or my desire, I guess you could say, for just like things that are a lot more chill. You know what I mean? Uh, I, my work is usually around larger crowds and a lot of people. I, I consider myself kind of like an ambivert. You know, I can be isolated at times. I do need solo time, and but I can also function very well in large group settings and those things. My family uh, is a large family. So my mom is one of eight and my pops is one of eight and they're from Guyana. For those who might not be too hip, it is one of the rare English-speaking countries in South America. No, Guyanese people are not Indian people from India, and they are a very mixed group of people. Uh, people tend to see Guyanese people and be like, oh, it's this. You know, we can look similar to like a lot of the Caribbean, like Jamaicans, Trinidadians, and that. But, you know, we got our own flavor, and geographically, it's uh, right between Venezuela and Brazil. Uh, they were colonized by, you know, the English, and then they got their independence in the 70s. So my folks were part of a massive exodus when the socioeconomic structure went down. Uh, my folks are like a lot of people's grandparents where um, they're not necessarily an arranged marriage, but they are kind of that way where, like, my mom met my dad a week before they got married and then I think a month after that they were on a plane to America you know uh and my mom was pregnant with my older brother so like that's kind of like I think the more telling tale uh from my family but yep they are from uh the West Indies and you know very New York in common whereas like a lot of my friends are either like you know Jamaicans Trinidadians Puerto Ricans Dominicans that came from this like uh, diaspora of whether that's you know the afro-caribbean-ness the mix of colonization and that so you know that are connected to what you said about you know as i affectionately refer to to, to you know my homies over there the old country you the know what i mean country, yeah, yeah you know because there was this thing especially yeah. with the history of of um you know the former ussr with right. you know the history of communism and the collapse right so when those things break down a lot of people then immigrated to america for that seeking a better life right, right? you know right. so i know that was a big part of yeah. my family's journey to here i think some things were better but i think a lot of things in retrospect they see yeah. especially nowadays how certain things were better where they were you know what i mean um and how do you think that background plays an effect in who you are now 
Well, it definitely gives you a different perspective um, from the normal kind of mainstream American um, look on life, uh, values, for sure. Um, I was always growing up in, you know, in a house with a lot of people in it, kind of like you said, you had a lot of family. My, uh, my grandpa has two brothers, and together they have about, I'm not sure, they probably have about 14, 14 children together. And those children have children. So we had a lot of people in the house all the time doing something. Celebrating, playing music, you know, the old country, you know, getting drunk. <laughs> so the perspective was definitely, it was definitely one of uplifting uh, vibes. You know, I was the first grandson of my grandpa's family. So I always got a lot of love, which I'm grateful for. I always got a lot of support from them. Um, and they would just hype me up. They would hype you up, as you probably know with your family. They would hype you up. You know, you're doing anything. You play a guitar, you play a chord, you draw a picture, you know. They hype you up. Um, and I think that really seeped into my personality as an adult because it taught me that anything that I put my mind to, I can conquer. I manifest anything I, I, can, I can put my mind to. And I honestly, I want to say that comes from family giving love, giving children the, um, damn, y'all, I'm kind of choked up, y'all, this is my first podcast, but I'm gonna keep doing it anyway, um, it just gives you love, you know, that, that love that you give your children as their parents, whatever they may give you, even if it's a little ugly macaroni statue of you, you give, give it some love, they put a lot of, they put a lot of love into that thing, they, they, they sat there and thought about you, and put the macaroni together, I think maybe this is a particularly West Indies thing. My fam, or particularly my pops, his way of showing love was like through criticism. Right. So he'd be like, oh, you got an 80, why isn't it a 90? Then you get a 90, why isn't it a 95? You get a 100, he'd be like, why didn't you get the extra credit? And in a way, I think that that became a thought pattern that was like, yo, I'm just, I want him to do better, better, better. But like that ended up, you know, for me becoming a little detrimental. Yeah. And I know a lot of times these thought patterns and these cycles that that are instilled into us through not only family but societal thinking like okay I'm this you know like I remember when I was like all right I was coming of age or things I was like oh I should do it this way because that's how my folks did it or that's how this is and then you know I started seeing that like conflict within it so within these thought cycles and you know these patterns that are not only implemented through our households and that but society right how do you think that these cycles and patterns that could even be dangerous, you know, uh, should be addressed and brought to our awareness and, you know, maybe even possibly break those cycles? Because, you know, a lot of times we as people, I'm going to use this quote, well, that's just the way I am. Mm. You know, so say somebody was like, not to be stereotypical, if they were like, you know, an old school rush, I'm slamming vodka at 10 in the morning, right? Well, hey, that's who I am, man. That's, or, that's you know, for, for the, some people fall into those things, yeah. right? So what would you say within these uh, thought cycles and patterns that are not only brought in through individuals and cultures, but societal things, you know? I would How do you think we should acknowledge that? Sorry. I, I would say that the there's definitely a balance between everything on this earth in the way we interact with each other and the cycles you know, you're obviously going to have people that are more critical of you in your life, that want you to do better. And as a child, we see it as we're not good enough. You know, as a child, we may see it as 
there's something that I have done that I have put my all into that just wasn't reciprocated with um, how do you say that word? Fuck, I have the word in my mind. But it, it just, it wasn't greeted with love. You know, it wasn't greeted with a, that was good, let's do better. It was greeted with a, why only a 95, one out of 100. And that, that seeps into a lot of people's lives as well. Just like I mentioned before, you know, you create a little macaroni art piece. It may be a little macaroni art piece that doesn't look like much, but to that child, it's, it's a work of art. And if it's greeted with love, if it's greeted with gratitude, then it grows into something beautiful. You know, if it's greeted with, oh, you could do better. Just this, you could have painted this. I have black pants. Why didn't you paint my black pants on? Then suddenly you're planting weeds, you know? And so I feel like there's a lot of cycles that we have as people, and there's a lot of intergenerational cycles that are still very alive and kicking, you know, in all of us. And it's the way to address them, I believe, is to have compassion, have empathy, to understand that, you know, my pops and your pops, they're different people, but they both immigrated from a different country. They both came here for different lives. They both had to raise kids. And having kids, although I don't have any of my own, I can imagine it's a very, very challenging task very labor demanding and very very nervous task to have as a person um it took me a while to get over this kind of hurdle even with myself because you know those things seep into us kind of like the rain seeps into the asphalt you know it's all about where does it go afterwards you know so there was a point in my life where I, I actually had to sit down with myself and say, look, there's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with what I'm doing. I'm not on the wrong path. There's no time limit. But I have to be kind to myself if I'm going to go to the next destination. You know? Wow, that's a powerful insight. I did want to ask you, like, when did you reach that awareness that, like, all right, this is what society is feeding me. This is what the folks are giving me. But I'm, I'm going to bet on Larry on. I'm going to bet on me, you know? Yeah. Uh, and was there any, like, specific, like, occurrence that, that you could recall that, like, you're like, okay, I'm going to have to pivot this, you know? Because as children, right, yeah. whatever the dice, however the dice rolled, the spirit manifested, that's what you got, you know right. what I mean? If Pops was, you know, yelling person like my Pops or whatnot, not so emotionally present, that's what you got, right? But then eventually, I think through maturity or time, right, you start to want to make your own identity or you see that, hey, I was exposed to X, Y, Z, but I'm not going to take on those traits. I'm going right. to that, you know, so how, I, I like that insight you made. How, how were you able to pivot into, you know, betting on yourself or following your vision more than what like society or family was telling you? Well, it's always been, that's kind of going back to the macaroni piece. I know we're talking about macaroni a lot, but there's we all have certain traits that we're born with. We're all dealt with a few cards that, although the hand may be shitty, we may still have aces, you know? It's just how you use them. And for me, it was always, I believe in me. I'm here to create. I always knew that I wasn't here to live a timid life. You know, I was the kid that was 14 playing guitar with my teeth, 
in front of 4,000 people in the auditorium because I liked connecting with people, you know? So I always, I always knew that I could do anything I wanted to do because in a way, in this tough environment, this tough household that we grow up in, we, we know that. We, we, we have to bet on ourselves almost, you know what I'm saying? We can turn cold or we can turn better. And there's, there's a quote that I actually heard today that I think really resonates with what you're asking me. It's, you know, strong men are created by tough times and strong men create good times and good times create weak men and weak men create tough times and tough times create strong men so it's all cyclical you understand and once we understand that we can really start to be compassionate and be aware of the cycle and bet on ourselves because at the end of the day we're just going to be in that coffin by ourselves right that's the only thing you can do. Um, but let me ask you a question. How has betting on yourself or what, what has come out of that relationship that you have with uh, what you said about, you know, the not enough of something or, you know what I'm saying? That, that relationship with your pops, how has that kind of manifested and what traits have come out out of that? Yeah, thank you for asking, brother. Um, it's deep. I think in the first, the reactionary thing was like, for me, you know, not hindsight 2020, of course. Mm. I think looking at like, I got into my teenage rebellion thing. So it was like, mm. I ain't gonna listen to what these motherfuckers gotta say. I'm gonna do me. <laughs> so like for me, that showed up in like cutting school. You know, I always loved the word hooky. Oh, yeah. uh, it's before my time. I'd be like, you playing hooky? I was like, it just reminds me of hockey because how it sounds like this hooky thing sounds like it's the coolest shit ever. Mm. But uh, cutting school and not going to where I was told to go, I used to cut school and go to the library. Mm. I played this game where I went to every single train station on the subway map wow. in New York City. As hiking. Yeah, as a as a teenager. And that education carried me full. So it wasn't that I didn't like school. It was like school was presented to me as this is going to be it. Because my folks were in an environment that their infrastructure had fell apart. So they were like, hey, we're just lucky that there's police in the street to keep order. We're just lucky there's a school system we can send you to that we don't have to pay for. Right. It was almost like, we're so lucky, we're so lucky, we're so... Meanwhile, we was on welfare, living in a illegal basement. We ran like, we're so lucky, what the yeah. fuck? Where's the lucky part for... Like, Where's I couldn't relate. But to them, they were like, we was barefoot. We was this, we had no electricity, we had the third world stuff. So like, once again, as a child, I didn't I didn't know how I could relate to this because yo, we was the heat was off sometimes. So I was like, yo, and yet they were telling me this is the good thing because the time that I'm feeling is discomfort that I'm, you know, certain needs emotionally weren't being met. I'm being told this is the good time. So I came to a realization, particularly around like you know teenage years, that I was being dealt a crock of shit, you know, and. Yeah. I understood that my parents were doing the best that they knew how. But I think like you, I realized that wasn't going to be enough. Right. Um, I think what it manifested into me is like I became like an overachiever. So like I was always able to get into honors classes, do this because I was like, all right. You know, they pitched to me that excelling within these institutions and environments were the way out. Right. So as a child, I followed suit. But then when I got out of it or got into like my teenage rebellion phase I was like I'm gonna take that 
nugget that they gave me, which is work ethic this, but I'm going to apply it to what I want, i.e. when I decided to visit every train station right, on right, the map. Right. I was like, I'm going to do this. Or when I said, you know, when I used to cut school and go to the park, the cops would always catch me. Right. So when I went to the library, no one ever bothered me in the library. So then when they, like, the paddy wagon had scooped me up one day, I think, coming back or something. And then I was like, they're like, where were you at? I was like, I was at the library. And then they were like, and I remember the cops, like, just totally dismissing me. Like, nah, you wasn't. You was, And I was like, nah. And, like, I think I remember even at that age saying that, no, I like to read. I like to do these things, but I don't like the way school displays it. Right. But I just remember being met with the same energy that, like, kind of, like, you know, my upbringing was, like, you don't know best for you. Right, 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 right. You're right. supposed to just sit down, stand in line, go to this place, get what they have to give you, and then yeah. they're going to give you. The answer is always within their systems, their things. Yeah. And when that, you know, I mean, I never did music as a child. So, like, um, I remember when I filled out that high school book, you know, back in the day when I was there to choose high schools, I wanted to go to LaGuardia. Shout out all the... I, I, and ironically, my whole life, all I've met is all these LaGuardia people. And then I remember someone telling me, yo, you're like the quintessential LaGuardia, LaGuardia kind of person. And I was like, yo, this has always been haunting me because I brought that book to the folks and, you know, unfortunately or whatever it was, like my pops was the decision maker and my mom would kind of go along with that. And that used to always yeah. get me tight because it was like a good cop, bad cop thing. Right, right, right. Yeah. But where I felt spoiled is I knew both of my parents. So I was like, I don't got no issues. My homie's parents is dead or, you know, like the environment that was more low income that I was around. I'm like, this person doesn't know who their dad is, but I know who my dad is, even though he was like emotionally absent. So I was like... I took on this thing that I don't have real problems. The homie who never met is this, or his mom is on drugs. You know, my mom never did a drug or drink in her whole entire life to this day. So, like, I would be like, oh, I'm this very spoiled person. So I just kind of took things on myself. And then I was like, I got to do this. I got to do this because I was given, you know, I recognize just coming from a dual parent household around people that did not have that. I felt extremely privileged, you know what I mean, even right. back then. So I think how I was able to, like you said, bet on me is uh, through, through making some shitty decisions and choices, but that were totally of my doing. It's funny you say that, actually, because it, it feels like you and I had similar upbringings. You know, the, 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 the father-mother dynamic and relationship, the cutting high school every day, uh, the cutting class every day to... Uh, you know, do things because we, we just don't agree with the school system at the times, you know. Uh, I, so I completely understand where you're coming from. Um, you, you can ask anybody that ever knew me in high school. I was never in class. I would always sit in the hallway and just play guitar. And, you know, heads would, heads would you know, be frustrated with me. Heads would be frustrated with me. But um, I thought that's what I wanted to do. And I knew that's what I wanted to do because I thought that school should nourish its children instead of, you know, constrict them into learning about who the 56th president is or will be, you know. So I, I definitely know where you're coming from. Um, shout out to Urban Hikes. Urban Hikes, I think that getting on random bus stops, random train stops, that is the best form of education because you know the environment, you know the people. And you can get to know them as well. So I would do that stuff as well. But I, I just think it's really fascinating how you and I have similar kind of backgrounds 
in terms of the cards we were dealt and how we've been able to pivot and make that use that energy and use that force into something more beautiful into something more something something more productive something more able to help the world you know so thank you for sharing that thank you for sharing yeah that's dope and I will with whole heart and honestly admit that like at the teenage rebellion phase I was like yo fuck these people you know right. including my folks cause I was like yo y'all ain't giving me what I need from right. this emotionally supporting but like now my empathy like my relationship with them yeah. is a lot better uh, because I don't have the blame you know like when I started dipping out from the crib more like late teens early 20s you know I would just like stay at people's houses cause I knew I didn't like being home right, right, so right. I'd disappear for like you know sometimes days at a time or if somebody was like nice enough to me I'd be like yo you think I could stay here and then you know like I didn't know it then that I was trying to like escape right. you know what I mean something but it was just like to me I was trying to get away from the criticism I was trying to get yeah. away from feeling confined because I think as children right we want to explore like yeah. how you said you knew the school was telling you bullshit but you're like yo this guitar is is is, is. well I knew they were telling me bullshit cause I would always get talks too much on my report card and I always thought it was strange because I always valued the social part of school as for what I liked school for and a few years later here we are in this social digital world where everybody talks too much so it, it, I, I thought that was an interesting um, thing and I, I, I also was trying to escape it all the time but I was trying to escape it by going deeper into music by 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 running away from my folks by going into the school system but not actually taking on the education but the physical structure and the shelter of the school and the community within um you know as as kids were told you know you don't understand what you're doing and you'll thank me later right and that always chafed my ass because i was like I'm fucking 12. I don't I don't care about this. You know, I'd be like, yeah, hey, yeah, whatever, whatever. Fuck you. <laughs> and go do my thing anyway. But, you know, as you grow up, you, you do kind of take on this empathy. And you realize your parents, our parents, even though they had our best interest in, they had their own personalities. And sometimes personalities don't clash. Sometimes personalities do. You know? That's a great insight. And I know you tapped into Unk Exposed You. You getting into the music. School is in there. And you got into this of, of you know, you were exposed. And then you found an outlet, it sounds like. You know, yeah. that's one thing I see different in our society. Like, for me, there was, I didn't, I didn't find the outlet. I excelled at school, but I was like, I didn't find my voice in something. I was like, damn, you could give me a task and I could do it well, mm -hmm. but I didn't find the thing or wasn't exposed, I could say. Uh, that now that you were exposed to the making art, you got, you've seen it through the family, you've yeah. dabbled in it now within school to your own artistic, creative, and making process. How do you think that? Because, you know, I think the exposure was part of it, but then obviously here you are an adult and it's still been a huge part of your life, making yeah. art, you know, the EP, working on and all that. So how did this, 
how did you get into actually consciously saying, I'm going to make my own art now? Right. You know, I know you talked about listening to joints that you thought were dope, what you like, what you don't like. But now that you're, you know, writing and playing the multiple instruments, like how did that kind of come about where you're like, now nah, I'm not going to just... Because, you know, some people I know when they learn an instrument, when I picked up an instrument, I was like, I want to write. I never, mm -hmm. only in more recent years have I been now gaining the value of like studying and listening to other music. Uh, and I meet so many musicians, they're so incredible. And then I'm like, yo, where's your music? And they're just like, they become a session player or they do this yeah, and they're so yeah. phenomenal, but like, they don't really create their own art, you know? And you were someone who got into that young. Uh, and you know, you can talk a little bit about your journey as a musician and then how did then that lead up to you choosing to make your own art? You okay. being the one that's the storyteller versus uh, doing a cover or just imitating, which, you know, we all kind of start off that way, but what allowed you to break the mold? Well, let me just say, you know, my uncle did expose me to guitar because he had a guitar, but I really, you know, I'd be lying if I said that my uncle was the first person that would uh, expose me to music. I got I to gotta give props to my cousin, Robert. Uh, Robert, when you listen to this, if you listen to this, thank you. Thank you so much. So Robert, he exposed me to guitar by putting me on to Guitar Hero. Um, and before Guitar Hero, I don't know if you remember, but before Guitar Hero, they had this, uh, they had, you know, this is when the computers were just getting updated and stuff. They had frets on fire. So you would take your keyboard and you would play the one, two, three, four numbers on the keyboard, like the, you know, the frets on Guitar Hero, and you would play the space as the actual strumming. So you're sitting there playing you know, Nickelback songs, because I, I love Nickelback. People are going to shit on me for that. But I, I, I fucking love Nickelback. Growing up, that was my first band that I really liked. Um, but yeah, I would play at Robert's house, and I would love going to Robert's house, because he would always he would always encourage me. And he'd be like, yeah, 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 let's do it. And he would download the songs that I wanted to play. So in a way, I was creating with the artist in real time, in... Through, through a certain way. So I, it always felt to me that I was kind of playing with the artist. I was in the room with the artist. I was, what he was saying, what, what they were playing, I, I could feel it. I was there for it. I was creating it with them. Even though it had been done, I was a part of the journey. And that to me had always, that to me had always made me interested in the process of music um you know like you said earlier whether it be bang banging on pots and pans you know mama's old cast iron pans and shit from the soviet union and you know all these different uh metal things that you've never even seen before can make a really good drum beat you know but after a while you you start to kind of gravitate towards it you look for it in school, you play, you know, the pen, you know, whether it be like, whether it be you making beats on the on the table with your classmates, whether you're, you're singing that, you know, that one hook, do 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 do, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's it's all it's all music, you know. And so one day, my my parents, they had heard me say. Well, let me back up. There was this one Tchaikovsky song that I heard. You know, like there was this one piece of classical music that I heard, and in that in that music, it was like, 
it, it's that song that goes and I love the sound of those those whatever it is they were playing chimes or something it was like dun, 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 dun. and I loved that I, I was crazy about that shit because I was like how does he make that sound like what is that you know it sounds like some kind of like cup or something and I loved it and I mistakenly had mentioned it to my mother now I say mistakenly because you would think that you know you, oh you got your guitar right there and you started playing right wrong I started playing piano in some after school program, but it wasn't even a part of an after school. It was kind of like a secluded room that was in the building during the hours of the after school. And this old stoic lady named Hannah, Hannah, not Hannah, Hannah, would come in and she would, she, she wouldn't smile. She, I've never seen that lady smile. But she would come in, sit next to you, you would put your you would put your music down, and you would play. Now I had been going to Hana for about two years now. And by two by the second year, by the by the end of the second year or the beginning of the middle of I don't know if that's a little too confusing, but a year and a half in, I had noticed that Hana had stopped caring because I was not wearing the music. I was not interested in it. I was not interested in taking that approach, the piano approach. Now, no offense to the piano players out there that are listening to this. Uh, I respect the instrument. I love the instrument. It's a great instrument. 10 out of 10 instrument. It's not my instrument. You know? I couldn't learn that way. And Hannah knew that I didn't like it. And so what I would do is I would... Alright, this, this is kind of funny. But I, I put my hands on the keyboard and I just laid them out. And Hannah would just put my fingers on the right notes throughout the whole song. And I would just sit there with my hands on the keyboard. And she would put my hands on the, the whole time. So needless to say, after a while that got kind of old to me. Because I knew that they were giving guitar classes in the after school program that I was a part of. So I wanted to be a part of that class, but it had already been too late. But I wanted to be a part of it. So I had inquired about it. I remember I was like 10 years old, I think. 10 years old, yeah. Yeah, 10 years old. And I had inquired, I was like, I really wanna play. Like, I, I will learn anything you give me, whatever you give me, please, like I wanna learn it. And they would play it by, they would learn it by, um, playing one string at a time you know they would do three notes at a time and you would do like jingle bells and shit and call it a day but by the time I had joined the class it had already been up to they had already been to the up to the third string so I had two strings to learn plus the third you know so I had this workload but I was so into it I was so like I was so turned on by the actual guitar that I was like yo I don't even give a fuck about the work like I just want to do this like, I will do whatever it takes to do this shit. Like, I don't care. I'm, like, I'm trying to do this. And I had caught up by the third lesson all the way up to the third or fourth string. And I don't know if I'm going too deep, but um, I had already been caught up to the fourth string, third or fourth string. And I was making such good progress that the guitar teacher reached out to my mom and was like, I think you should consider giving him private lessons. 
because he's quite good. And I, I didn't think much of the time. You know, I was I was a you know, I was a short little rebellious kid who just so happened to be, you know, chunky and social. I just wanted to laugh with my friends, you know. But thankfully my parents did. They put me into guitar classes. Um and my teacher would teach me songs that I wanted to play because he understood that I was a pupil that would do what I wanted to do. You know, there's no, there's no point of playing Django Bells over and over when you want to play something in a completely different genre. And I think that's what you were talking about going back to school, you know, the education that was being provided wasn't the education that you needed or wanted. It wasn't conducive to your life path. But I had, um, I had gone to guitar lessons and I needed an actual guitar. I needed a guitar because up until then I had been playing a guitar that I had just so happened to find laying on a garbage can. And it was fully strung, perfect condition. It was like a gift from the universe almost, like a, like, like a fucking omen. So I picked it, I was hyped. And it was such a beautiful guitar. It was such a beautiful guitar. And so, but I needed a new guitar. I needed, a, I needed an up-to-date like, guitar because the one I was playing on was good, but could have been better. So my uncle bought me a great new Yamaha with my grandpa. And that Yamaha guitar, which I just restrung and fell in love with all over again, took me to the next level. It took me to the next stage of my playing. Obviously, this was around a, a little bit of a hard time in my, my parents' life, so I wasn't able to continue going to lessons, unfortunately. But I had already gone to a few months of lessons, so I had already had the knowledge in my brains that I could literally listen to this song by Richie Blackmore or you know whoever by Jimmy Page or all these other musicians and I could just hum it out and I could get it by ear because my ear was trained already I didn't learn how to read music with my piano teacher you know so that was my beginning journey that was kind of like my um, my zygote journey you can you can put it there um, then I graduated into high school, and uh, that's when all the ropes came off. It's like when you let go of the, the blimp, and it, it, you, see, you see it flying off, and everybody's cheering and waving handkerchiefs at it and everything. That, that was the moment for me where I was like, yo, I'm free. I'm going to go buck fucking wild and do what I need to do and be myself. And so I did. I, I went out and I just played in the hallways. I didn't know where it was that I was supposed to be playing, um, but I knew I wanted to play and I knew that I had classes at the same time. So naturally, you know, you have to make a sacrifice, right? So you play guitar. <laughs> I love that, bro. Um, two questions on that yeah. for our listeners. So. What's that time span in between um, that stoic piano teacher, right, down to, like, the private lessons? Because I know you speak on it very, but, you know, for anyone who might not be a musician, like, I think once the bug bites you, if you're in it, you're in it for life. You know what I'm saying? You might go on to do other things. Like, I know cats went on to be, you name it. But once, for a certain type of person, you know, in my opinion, what is someone who is called to do something. You know, there's people try things. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you tried the piano, but you were called right, right, to the right, guitar, right. it sounds like, right? Um, 
just want to give people a reference in time of like from that piano lesson to your private lessons to getting the the better upgraded guitar like what's the time span into that then you then getting to the level where you took those lessons and then you're like oh snap like how you said the brakes are off now i'm, I'm gonna be free because right. once again a lot of people pick up an instrument they might not have that turning point right right um this convo or this is shit it might be somebody's turning point you know what i mean so i did want to honor all that the time. yeah like how did you or what was the time span between that introduction to those lessons that you did not the resonate piano, with right. the pedagogy you it looked like because the whoever was teaching guitar understood a what you liked so i want to emphasize that uh that uh -huh. then that really kind of put the gasoline on the fire for you it looked like and then by the time you had a solid enough foundation even though it sounds like through financial difficulties that right. couldn't maintain the seed was planted and right, you knew right, that right. hey this didn't have to be follow paint by numbers i could you know and then i think to me that's your ear you're, you're like this this tool i have on the side of my head which we all have yes May I just yes and you activated it but i think you understood that that was what you needed yeah. versus that so i, I don't want to glide over that but yeah just to give people like a a time reference from that to there and then yeah. you know continue on from that it's a great story well what you what you just said actually made me uh realize some a deeper answer actually to what you asked me the the time the time that i started playing piano i was maybe about like eight and the way i was being taught was i was being taught these pieces that i didn't know how to read music because you know i didn't want to fucking do that i wanted to play um so coming from a musically you know trained background my mother was a was a Juilliard student in in the Soviet Union. I I'm just finding this shit out a few months ago. My grandma was a professional singer. I'm just finding this stuff out. Like this shit is crazy. You know? I'm like just finding this shit out. But what how they would train me is they would I would play the piano and if I got a wrong note, you know, kids are sensitive to energy. Kids are very conducive to the environment that they're growing up in. So if I messed up, I would get yelled at. I would get I would get hit. You know, my, my hands would get hit. That's how you play piano in those kind of cultures. You get the you get the little slaps. And I didn't like that. You know, I, I that that wasn't something that I because it felt like my creativity was being stifled. It was being pushed and you know, even as a child, I didn't like being told how to express myself, what to do, where, because I knew it. Like, it was, it's all something we all have. It's something that we all have within us. We know what we want. We know where to get it. We know how to get it. It's just something always stands in our way or we put that thing in our way so that we don't get it. And we say that we didn't get it. You know, but from a young age, I was being smacked. You know, I was being told you know yelled at so i was crying and playing the piano and anybody that plays an instrument you don't that's not the way to do it and in anything in in, in any kind of department in any kind of scholarly etc etc any any type of learning let's put it that way that's not how you want to do it but for the guitar i had the opportunity to because they didn't know how to play guitar, maybe. <laughs> uh, I had the opportunity to sit with myself, be patient, and listen to what the instrument was saying. So now you go from an abusive relationship and association with a piano, 
to a loving, safe haven and passionate relationship with the guitar. And it always was that for me. It, it was within a three-year three cycle, three, a three-year time period between piano to the guitar switch that I realized that the guitar was my safe haven. The guitar was my first love. The guitar was God sent, you know, even even as a child, you know when something is special about something else, you know. So the guitar was always there for me. It, it always listened to me. It always allowed me to express and it always allowed me to make mistakes and forgive myself through them. And once I started playing guitar and sitting with myself, because actually the financial aspects that were going on at the time turned out to be blessings because they put me in a room with something and the two options of do I stop playing guitar because I don't have a teacher or do I continue doing what I do with what I know and go into uncharted territories was provided and I'm so grateful that I chose the other option the latter of going into the learning without a teacher and I chose the option to keep going Um, yes, I'm a self-taught multi-instrumentalist and, you know, it was through guitar, it was through the meticulous understanding that I can mess up, but I can start again. I can, I can do it over and I can love myself throughout all the processes of fucking up that taught me how to express myself and effectively learn bigger things and tackle bigger fish as I go. And soon those fish become, you know, other things, you know. The guitar can lead you into bass. The guitar can lead you into other things. But what I loved the most about guitar was the guitar will teach you what you ask of it. The guitar will teach you hmm. what you think about as you play. You see, I've had many discoveries about myself while playing the guitar, you know. You, you know, you play guitar, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You have many kind of, you hit these depths within yourself. Even as an 11-year-old, you have incredible depth. Incredible depth. You, you know these things. You start to understand oh, how people work. You start to understand why people are hurt. You understand why people are sad. You understand why people are happy. You understand how to put that dash of salt put that dash of sugar within any room and suddenly change the way the room is going. Suddenly, your playing is turning a tense environment into a mellow, mellow place, you know? And so my, my, my journey took three years and I, I would highly encourage anybody learning to play anything, any instrument, any kind of guitar, any anything artistic to be be kind with yourself and to love yourself and to be open to expressing mistakes because even like 10 12 years into guitar now i make mistakes all the time you know it's just about owning them we all make mistakes we never get to a point where we don't you know you know Ooh, that's amazing man wow i love it man uh went off yeah yeah transmitting right there man uh 
I'll tap into something just to give our listeners a different perspective. Like uh, how I got into the Giddy, uh, same kind of thing. I was exposed to a piano first uh, because it just seemed like the more visual instrument. Right, right, right. And I remember, um, unfortunately, you know, like uh, none of my school's upbringing from elementary to middle school or high school had proper music education so yeah. i wasn't exposed to that and nobody in my family plays an instrument and and or does that or was even into music like ironically like my dad doesn't own any music he doesn't have a vinyl record of anything mm-hmm. a cassette mm-hmm. or that mm-hmm. it's i always it's weird because i know that there's a god because of how deeply i'm into music yeah. without exposure to it directly isn't that beautiful though that's why i know that something is calling so like your story really inspired me because um i was working at a sam ash you know this is already i'm already an adult at this point and i was like well you know at that point i was committed to words and to writing and to rapping because mm-hmm. that was accessible to me you know coming from jamaica I saw, I knew I loved music and you know, anyone who's ever heard me rhyme or whatnot, they can tell that my biggest thing in rhyming is flow, delivery, and the things that are essential to music. Uh, And it was until I met a keyboardist who came into the Sam Ash, I worked to in Queens, shout out to the the Forest Hill Sam Ash on 75th. Wow. Uh, I was working in the recording department and at the time I was looping and sampling beats. And you know, I would grab this part that maybe was like, you know, uh, piece of a progression and maybe it was like the first two chords I grabbed and looped and put on some drums to it right uh, this dude came in he was one of those cats he like worked a construction job and would come in on his break so he'd come in on his break and he would just you know definitely a, a church jazz oh, I guy think I know what talking about. this guy my man my man professor keyboard shout out to my man kb yeah. uh he used to come in on a lunch break like literally in construction right, clothes right. like you know sheetrock all over the pants paint all over his stuff but just during his lunch break that's why i say when music is in you nothing ever stops you yeah. he would come in probably during the time he was supposed to eat and just get it just in get and then just in, and then man. i was like damn so i i I think he caught me out there just staring too hard one day. <laughs> I got caught out, you know what I mean? For all the dudes out there, instead of ogling at, ogle at, some, <laughs> ogle at certain things, guys, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so I'm over there ogling at this guy's licks, and when he's leaving, yeah. I'm trying to, like, I'm like, yo, how, how do you... Produce them? I just couldn't even fathom, like, how this guy had just such a, a movement that, that was flow, fluidity. Yeah. So I see this fluidity, and I think one day... I'm out there trying to like hammer away on like all white keys only type shit, you know what I mean? And who's who, keys, who's bro. who's walking? Who's in back of me now? Mr. Of course, KB. Mr. KB's in there. He looks at what I'm doing. He's like, "All right, let me see what you." Of course, I'm terrified to death. And then I was like, "Uh, you know," he's like, oh, "Play something." And then while I'm playing my little thing, he's, he's just hitting the other. Right, is right, right. 88 key um, joint. It was a Roland Phantom at the time on display. Uh, see, those details get locked in your mind. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I'm playing like maybe like, you know, now I know it's like, you know, C1 octave or whatnot. He's up there creeping up to the higher end. <laughs> He's basically ripping solos yeah. on top of like my as amateur as you can get loops. Because, you know, right, right, right. one thing I thankful for hip hop, hip hop gave me the idea of looping something up, you know. Right. So I was like, let me just loop this thing. So while I was looping it. He kept on dazzling. He's like, oh, he's like, and now he's telling me, oh, you got it. You got something. And in my mind, I'm like, bullshit. Like, you know what I mean? I'm like, you're over here dancing around on all these things. I'm here doing this rudimentary thing, and you're telling me I got it. So then I was like, 
And then he was like, yo, do you mind if I give you lessons? Of course. I was like, yo, I'm all ears. You know what I mean? So um, he asked me something. He's like, so do you make music? You obviously work here. And I said, oh, well, I got some beats. And at the time it was on a CD. I was mm-hmm. like, yo, I, I used to leave my beat CDs and my, my joints in the display for the speakers. So when right, someone right. used to test the speakers, I would blast my that beats. That is very smart. Come on. You know, I always, I always had the sauce. You very know what I mean? So smart. I'm in there with KB. I take him into the room with the speakers. I hit play on a CD that I had stuffed in there. And then um, he's like, he's listening to it. There's another keyboard in the room. And then same thing. He does this thing where he's hearing this thing. And then he's launching off of what I do and going into another stratosphere. Yeah, yeah, that I can't comprehend at that time. And he goes, he says, all right, all right. He's like, okay, cool. You did this. And, you know, he's screaming out the name of the chords by just figuring it out by ear. So he's like, oh, that's a, that's a, oh, that's a B flat major to da, 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 da. Oh, but, you know, you could do this. And then so I'm like, ah, so I'm hearing all this tech talk. And once again, I'm getting hella intimidated. I'm feeling like, oh, shit, right? Yeah. But then he goes, but I'm going to give you the sauce. And then, like, he didn't say the sauce. That's me saying the sauce. But he's like, I'm going to give you the code. And I was like, well, what? what are you, what's the lesson? The so secret. he goes up to the keyboard. And then he presses one note. And then he goes, find mm. that note. It's mm. the ear. It's always yes. back to the ear. He's like, find it. And then, you know, I was so nervous. I, I was flubbing. Cause, yeah, because yeah. I also learned that if you are nervous, no, nervous. just like what you said nervous. with the piano, yeah. like when it's not there, it's until you get intimate and comfortable yeah. with your instrument that you feel comfortable making mistakes. Because if you're terrified to death, you know, to play, I've only started playing jam sessions as a guitarist uh, in 2020, you know what I mean? So like, and may I say that your, your, your licks on the guitar, whatever you play, they are very good because you have that, you have that not constrictive, like, yeah, yeah, I have a love for it. And like through like, you know, thank you to, you know, Sims, thank you to like, you know, all the jam sessions I went to, cause like I had that experience as an MC, but bringing it back to what Mm -hmm. the homie showed me, he told me find a note, and then he took away notes from it instead of C. D. He was like, you know, do re mi, and just got done on major scale, dogs. Woo! But he did what your I think guitar teacher did to you. He did to me. He took away the idea that I needed to know all these names and sus right. chords and all this. Now I got geeked out, and I did get into that <laughs> shit because I think you go down a bottomless pit, right? Music is like opium. The more you take, the more you want to get. Yeah, into it. and it's a bottomless pit. You yeah. can't master everything to it. Yeah. So eventually, he just told me start at a note and then do do re mi, which would be the major scales in any key. Now I know the nugget he was giving right. to me and then knowing that most music is going to be compromised of these things. So he gave me that one lesson. He says, start at one note and do do re mi. And he says, I'm going to pop back in and see how he did. So he's giving me, ah, so you he, know, he I'm sweating accountable for that. Yeah. Accountability. So I'm yeah. waiting for this guy to pop in because I'm like, yo, this dude going to come in one day and I better have this shit ready or I'm mm-hmm. making ass of myself. So like, I don't know how long it was, maybe a month or so or something. Um, sure enough, the day came back comes down to it it's no boom uh, I take time make a few mistakes but I do get it and then I get through it he does it about five six times in different notes starting mm. at a different key right this dude's reaction changed my life he got up and flipped the chair and he says I'm gonna give you lessons this is crazy you're a musician it was a crime that no one put this in your head he says to me it was a crime and I was like, what, what? <laughs> yes, yeah, we out here. We, out here we live, we live, we live. We live in bamboozle. You know, we keep it moving through the mistakes, just like we said. Um, so he comes in, and then he's like, he flips his wig, and I just see his reaction. And I was like, what? I just did what you asked me to do. But now I know hindsight, once again, 2020. 
it was that I did the task that he said and then I stuck to it and then I didn't give up. That's what he was jumping for joy about because right, right. he was like, yo, I give this to anybody, but not anybody takes it and you applies know, it. Right, right. But that's when you're called to something, yeah. you know? So like, you know, long story short, I'm gonna go into the next thing. Uh, this is totally uh, tied in together. I was like, yo, this is it, this is it. And then um, he went in and then later on, you know, we, we dive deep and I'm gonna segue that into this, my that's brother. So you. now your creative process, you got these tools, mm. you got this, right? And I don't like to use look, I used to use all the five senses. What does it look like? What does it feel like, even taste like? Um, the, I think it's like you said about love, right? The reason people keep on doing music for their entire life is it just continues to get new and yeah. you have to fall in love with it. I feel like anybody who quits quote unquote doing music, you never loved it. Cause I right. just can't imagine like life like, Without music. yeah, because like, yo, when I feel like shit, I can go to an instrument. When I feel like a million bucks, I can go to an instrument. Like yeah. there's never not a good time for it. And even if I don't have access to an instrument, I'll hum something on the way to a train. Like it's a very therapeutic way to access what I will, you know, deem as the divine, you know what I mean? And that process looks and feels very different for each people. You know, I talked a lot of smack, a lot of shit, a lot of good <laughs> shit, you know what I mean? But I do want to ask yeah. you that question, like what is your creative process uh, looking and feeling like, you know, these days in present moment? Well, in the present moment, um, well, my creative process, like you, like you said, you know, it does take all the senses. For me, it's more about self-expression but it's also about tapping into self-expression how do you tap into self-expression you go inside you go inward how do you go inward you shut the outside out to shut the outside out you have to be present in the moment and to be present in the moment is to hear what the instrument wants to say it's not about what you want to hear. You have to have an idea of where you're taking it, sure. Just like, you know, you said major scale. Major scale applies to anywhere. Just like you said, that one note that he showed you goes anywhere. You have to have an idea of where it goes. Because if he gives you a note that's in the lower range, you know it's not going to be on the right side of the keyboard. It's going to be on the left side. Likewise with music. Um... So my creative process has been more mindful of it. Um, I have synesthesia. Uh, those of you that don't know, synesthesia is like when you have multiple senses um, that kind of coincide together, I guess you can say. Uh, you can smell colors, you can feel, um, feel things. That's the best way I, I put it, you feel things. To me, it's secondhand nature at this point. Like I'm, it's pretty much a big thing in my life, but the music always has its own time period. The music has its all encompassing vibration. And you just have to tap into that vibration. It's like tapping into source almost, but source is you. So for what I can say is my creative process is I have to sit down, I have to be comfortable. Because like you said, if you're nervous, you're not gonna get a damn thing out that you're gonna be happy with. You can get the best solo out, but you won't be happy with it. You ever, you ever play a gig that mm -hmm. you think is terrible? You're like, oh, I could have done so much better. Oh, my God. 
and the heads around you are like, oh my fucking God, I have never seen, heard something like that. Who are you? And you're like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, that was nothing. That's because you know you can do better. That's because you know you can do more. Is why we feel like that. But my creative process recently has been, I know I've answered this question like three, four times now, but my creative process has been letting the guitar sing, being a vessel for the guitar instead of the other way around, tapping into that um, relationship that I had as I was learning, as I was growing with it. Because once you reach a certain thing, uh, once you reach a certain time period in doing something, it becomes secondhand nature. And once it becomes secondhand nature, it's on autopilot. And you don't want to do music on autopilot because it's just, it's counterproductive. You know, you want to be there with it. So the creative process is sitting down, being relaxed, listening to what the guitar is, tapping in, closing your eyes, and then going from there. If I'm with people and we're doing something, you know, you have to be social. That's what they wrote on my report card, too social. It helped. You have to be conscious of the vibe around you, you know? If you're sitting with a particular vibration in the room, if you're sitting with, you know, the room is happy, you're not gonna play a gloomy song. If you're sitting in a gloomy song, you might play a happy song, but you'll think twice about it first, right? <laughs> so the creative process does feel like that to me. It's okay to take breaks from your instrument. Let me just say that as well. It's okay to take breaks from your instrument, but don't quit it. Don't quit it. Don't forget about it. It's easy to, for a break to become a break up. Take a break, tap back in. Oh, that is a perfect segue into our next question, brother. So we got a lot into creativity. And, you know, a lot of this purpose on this podcast is the connection between our mm -hmm. mental and spiritual health with this, right? As we dove both deep into our stories, it's like uh, you see how we almost ended up, as you said, on a similar path mm -hmm. through, like, certain life experiences. You know, the sun and the rain led us to both, you know, these great experiences. Well, here we are. And we're here, and, you know, yeah. we're, we're there. So I do want to ask you, what do you see as the correlation between your art, the music that you create, and beyond, if you explore other mediums as well, mm -hmm. uh, between that and your mental health, you know? That's a very, very, very good subject to bring up. So I noticed that, thank you for asking that question, by the way. Um, I wanna give a big shout out to Y and Creative Expressions for always you know, putting up the subjects that matter the most to you know, everybody and to every person. Everybody struggles with mental health issues sometimes. And that does not include one person. It includes everybody. It's all-encompassing. So I want to say thank you again on behalf of myself and behalf of anybody listening to this podcast for, uh, you know, doing the good work, doing holy work here. The correlation between my art and my mental health is there is a certain part of my personality that I associated with musician for a while up until the pandemic hit 
when the neighbors are all at home, when your family is all at home, you know, you can't play loud, right? You you gotta you gotta be quiet. You know, you don't want to piss anyone off. You know, especially when you don't know how long you're gonna be quarantining, right? But we're post quarantine now. Hopefully, we're not gonna be quarantining again. But we're post quarantine, and we have to live with what we had to do with the moments. And unfortunately, for that period, I was disconnected from guitar. You know. So the correlation happened. from guitar so what had happened was the part of the personality that I had always associated as guitarist and musician had become an entity of its own almost like uh yeah I used to play guitar yeah I, I that, yeah I still play guitar I'll play it later it's okay it's all right I won't play it here I won't play it there but the, the, the person, the image of guitar, the image of mother, the image of friend, the image of neighbor, the image of brother, whatever thing we kind of go through, it's always an image. But there's also that thing under it, which is the thing. I am a musician. I am this, I'm this, I'm that. But what I had noticed was art and mental health are strongly tied in my life because if I don't play music, I don't have my mojo. I am clumsy. I'm fucking stuttering. I'm tripping on shit that isn't even trippable. I'm tripping on behind things. You know, if I don't play music, if I don't play guitar, if I don't sit with my medium, it's like church folks need to pray, you know? I need to play guitar. I need to make music. I need to sit intimately with my instrument. And if I don't, suddenly all the things that music has helped me understand, suddenly all the things that music has helped me kind of go into and deal with, they start to pile up. And that starts to create confusion. That starts to create dissonance without it. Um, so I believe that art and mental health are deeply tied together. You know, I, I believe in, in your previous uh, episode, you know, Roberto was saying the correlation between art and mental health is that, you know, unfortunately, a lot of artists have mental health issues. A lot of the greatest arts have mental health underlying issues. And I do believe that's true, but that's true because a lot of people suffer with mental health and just so happen to do art and can express it through art, you know? So there's definitely a correlation for me there. My mojo, my, my comfortability, my confidence, my power in and itself, my integrity all lies within my ability to sit and pray with my guitar through sound. You know, now can I ask you what your correlation is between art and mental health? How is that for you? Um, yeah, for me, it started as writing. Because... Uh, I always tell people this story. Uh, when I, when I, when I won this application to be a UN musical ambassador that <laughs> got dubbed because I ain't trying to get jabbed up, which Ooh. is kind of like so bittersweet at the same time. Uh, they were like, "What's what's what's the song that means the most to you?" 
And I said, the first time I understood four bars was this way. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, and Z. That's Twinkle Twinkle Little Star's melody, right? But like, it's totally in bars and you don't need an instrument. And um, that's why even I got really into just like creating, you know, everything has a tone and a texture, you know? So that correlation to me was like, I enjoyed it. I loved Mm -hmm. those, you know, to me, I got into music through writing. So it was through like meter. I've learned the, 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 the term meter in poetry. Roses are red, violets are blue, sugar is sweet, and so are you. That's why I was like, I realized more than words, people give me all this credit for words and they're like, what's your, your, your hack? And I was like, I love music. And they're like, no, but you tell these things. And I'm like, I just look at music the way multiple notes make a chord, multiple right. letters make a word. It, right. Like words, because I wasn't exposed to personally, I didn't know how to communicate it through this, but I was exposed to words because, you know, due to my fans pushing academia on me so heavily, mm-hmm. I was, you know, into reading and I, I enjoyed reading, right. you know. But then, like, that was my gateway drug to getting to the tones. Right. Because your tone says so much more than what your actual words say. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How you say something is how people react to you. You can say the most illest compliment in the world, but if people feel you're coming on some fugazi shit, they ain't going to take that. They're going to just dismiss it. And then I used to be like, well, I'm saying the right thing, but then they're like, yo, your tone, dogs. So how that connected to my mental health was... um, it was repetition. I, I love that to get it there, You like you said, to get the lick right, to get whatever uh, there, it takes repeating it over and over again till it becomes embodied, right? So I noticed that through, as someone who could have been labeled ADD'd out or whatever, whatever, yet all of a sudden when it came to this one thing, music, I have all the patience in the world. I can sit for three hours. I can do this for that. And it never got boring. Like... When people are like, yo, I'm bored of this. I'm bored if I'm in a situation where, like, there's musical masturbators and nobody's listening. Oh, yeah. I, I was one of those before. That yeah. is in the, and, like, yeah, if I'm no. trying to jam with somebody and they're just clearly in their own world and right, they're right, not right. trying to, like, lock in, that right. shit gets to me. And that's when I started making that correlation for mental health to myself because I was like, wow, the environment needed to be right. And back to what we talked about, right. nerves. And I knew that nerves went away from me in music you know, first through seeing that like when I did it enough, I would be confident. Right. So like, you know, uh, I, I'm left-handed. I play the guitar right-handed. Mm-hmm. This is on purpose. This is another mental health thing. I was getting really into the keyboard, but I didn't have one. And I noticed every time I needed a keyboard, it needed to be plugged into an amp, have these sounds or already, yeah. it wasn't as accessible. But when someone showed me a guitar, which was a right-handed guitar, by mind you, mm-hmm. and you know I was getting a little nerdy into music, so I was like, "Oh shit, this chord shape could be transposed." You yeah. know, like when I learned what a bar chord bar, was, I was yeah. like, oh, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> like all our music nerds know, yeah. once you know that fifth string and that fourth Ooh. string with like a minor, a it's major, and then a seventh and that of it's a major seventh minor, like you're you're like. Yeah. You know, you couldn't tell me I wasn't Django Reinhardt over that's there. Right, you that's know right, that's I mean? right, that's right. You put the shades on. I was like, yo, yo, hold on, hold on. But, but do you know about the seven dogs? Right, you know right, what I right. mean? Uh, so, yeah, it's a little nerd shit. But you see that happiness that just sparked in me? Yeah. 
So then the dude was like, well, I'll let you hold down this, another Sam Ash cat. He was like, I'll let you hold down my guitar, but it's right-handed. And I was like, dude, I don't give a flying fuck. Give me that. I don't care if it's right-footed. I will. I was like, I just want it. I just want this. And then yeah. he was like, but you're left. And I was like, nah, fuck that. I'm going to play this way. And the reason I chose to learn right-handed, because I learned as an adult, was I said, there is going to be way more likelihood of me playing more often back to KB you know he's like do you are the best at what you do the most mm -hmm. so I was like most likely I'm gonna run into these right-handed guitars I didn't own a guitar so I was like it makes sense to learn this so I play more often because the reason I wasn't getting to the musical goals on the keyboard I was not playing as often it was not physically as accessible because I didn't have a joint with speakers right. or an amp and then when I could walk around with something slinged over my back that was relatively light, meaning an acoustic guitar, or I would walk into someone's house and they, they were a guitar. guitar yeah. Every time it's been right-handed. I think once I floated in Germany, I saw a lefty hanging somewhere. But I just made a mental choice because I was like, I want, like, because I knew I was an adult and a late bloomer. I was like, I'm going to get into the way that I could understand music because I knew I loved music. And then, you know, of course, I understood it through my tone, but um, the guitar was then something, particularly playing with that, was like, it then became accessible because, you know, you can almost go anywhere and you'll catch a beat up a guitar and oh, something yeah. like, you, you oh, said your first one was found in the trash. Like oh, that's, yeah. you know, like people, people will do it. And I just started realizing, wow, because the, the foundation I had from Professor K KB Keyboards that applied to it. So then I was figuring out, oh, how does the scale look from there? And then how does this go in from there? And then it would feel good to just let it rest in you and then go along with it. You know, right. when you play the guitar, it's, uh, it's hug, a hug, yeah. it's yeah. an embrace. Ooh, yes. So I was like, this thing is embracing me and how that, you know, maybe this is deep, but like I felt acknowledged by this thing, i.e. music and going toward it, I felt seen. Yeah for like the first time so that that's why I was like and you know I was already getting credit for what I could do with my pen and then later on with the bars but always in my head to me like the musicianship like that's why it's hard for me to take compliments about words because like no offense to any of the great writers and poets and that and I've been called you know pretty decent at the words but like for me it was always the music that and the music especially because when you have a song without lyrics right it frees more of your imagination to me. For sure. So I would start to listen to mainly instrumental music. Also, like when I'm doing work or writing grant or doing all the stuff I do to survive, yeah. like I can't listen to music with lyrics because then it makes me not focus. But right. if you play anything instrumental, I could still do my task because I feel like instrumental music feeds me. Yeah. And then uh, how that connected to my mental health was the discipline was in there. I started mm -hmm. seeing these personality traits very very present in me that weren't there outside of music outside of music right right so i was like it's in me but why does this thing bring it out of me when right. the teacher's telling me columbus is some bull ass shit and how can i apply it yeah and then like right. you said brother i love that quote we have to make that one of the quotes that like it teaches you about yourself and life yeah. so then i was like nah and i stopped believing back to our earlier question the societal bullshit right people that, oh you know when my, my, my pops dubbed me for going to LaGuardia. He said this, he said, you don't wake up to go on time to school now and it's right in the neighborhood. Why do you think you're gonna get up an hour earlier and commute this to go to some school in the city? But that just throws fuel on the fire. 
that just, that just makes that's me want to do it even more. So that's yeah. what that's when I was like, all right, pops. Not only am I not gonna listen, but I'm not gonna go there because the school that I wanted to go. You're not right, even right. entertaining this because also another West Indies kind of trauma. He was like, so what? You gonna do some music thing? That doesn't make a job. That doesn't get you. He's telling I'm I'm a that's middle great. school kid. Yeah. At this time, getting yeah. inclined to the calling that is my life right now. Right. I was aware, but then because of that situation that's why I had a chip on my shoulder for a long time and I became really good with the bars because low-key my pops was a writer and wanted to write films and poetry and that Mm -hmm. so like I felt like I'm like dog I want to be a musician you want to be a word guy I'm gonna body you with the words just to get to the music right right, so it was a battle in my life for mental health now wow I, I get really emotional thinking about it because that was my fuck you I'm 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 gonna take your failed dream. Right. I'm gonna body it, and it's gonna be a step to get to you know what was God to me was to become a musician, mm-hmm. and then as I started peeking up into the musician world, I got known for rapping with live bands, mm-hmm. and then as I got invited into those music scenes, seeing the cats, and I was like, yo, you know, one of my other mentors, he was a Berkeley dude, went to Manhattan School of Music, right. and like you know, I started taking some lessons, and then um. He would just kind of question, like, cause you know, I, he saw me putting this thing on a pedestal, and he was like, "Bruh, just, just, really." He was like, "Yo, I get it," but he was kind of like, "Yo, the answer ain't there." He was trying to tell me, he's like, "The answer's in the mirror." So like, that's always back to the mental that's health, deep. man. It's really there. So I had to like really face myself through heavy introspection. I had to overcome, you know, now I know these were generational traumas or this, and I realized people who put you down for something. Right they're just bitter you know what i mean mm-hmm. but you know unfortunately as children if that's somebody putting you down you accept that as truth because it's yeah. all you know so like i love my family and i'm thankful for it but like yo it, it really made me realize the realization that you came to at a way younger age that i have to listen to me right. and no one's gonna know better for me than me than you yeah. and then um i gotta trust in the process because when i did get into it even to this day i knew it was going to be a long journey Anything that to be great at anything takes time. It's a journey. And I think that you gotta know that you gotta fall in love with it so that you're gonna dedicate time to the craft, you know, yeah. whether that's whatever you do. So I have this very rule that I only do things that I'm willing to dedicate myself to. Right. So even though I know I'm capable, because we all can technically, if you spend enough time on anything, can do it. But I was like, nah, I need to really lock in. And um that brings me to another thing I wanted to to bring up, which is the topic of surrender, you know? And control, right? When we were young, we were not in there, right? Yeah. We we can't get our food, clothing, and shelter at five, you know what I mean? But then there becomes a point, right? I think through time, through maturity, right? Adolescence, you start to get into um, a level like, I'm going to choose what I want to do. Like, you right. were like, yo, I didn't want to go to that class. I'm going to sit out in this hallway right. and play this giddy, you know? And then I think surrendering to that is also a big thing because... Especially when you're an adult, right? Because then you're like, I can't leave my job or I can't da-da-da-da-da. Or we pick up up these narratives. It sets you you up for failure, for sure. So I wanted you to kind of tap in on that, on like, you know, uh, the notion of like, you know, control and surrender and the dance that we do between like, there is very little in this life that we can control, right? Uh, But there is a lot that we can surrender to, yeah, and then allow it to be and know that everything is pushing you toward that because... I used to have that chip on my shoulder, like, I remember, like, you know, when I dropped out of college, I won a music competition, and I gave my family the check, Mm. and then I was like, and I remember being so angry, and I was like, this is all I ever wanted since I was in middle school, 
and I was denied this, you know what I mean? And then to the point when it did show up to me, I didn't even know how to approach it. it yeah. So then I had to like try to think. And then when I was finding my own way through my voice, I didn't trust in my voice, man. Yeah. And it was only until I surrendered and then took control of like, well, you have to sit down and put in the yeah. work. Because no matter what YouTube video, whatever you watch, until you sit down so and create do this yes. relationship with this instrument that you feel like you're expressing the depths of your soul, the shit ain't it, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I want you to tap in on that too. This this chip that you mentioned, and I want to just say thank you for sharing that. That's I feel like that's definitely something that a lot of musicians and even people that are not musicians go through all the time. Artists, dancers, chefs, everybody goes through this thing where they deal with people saying, no, it won't work. It's not going to work. And... These are the same people that you would expect to put you up, to help you, to be behind you, right? To give you that force of love, support, motivation. But, you know, they're not there in those, those, those moments. And it's, it's painful in the moments. It takes, a lot of, it takes a lot of courage to stand up and say, look, this is your narrative but this is my life and i believe in this vision whatever that vision may be i may not win at this vision today i may not get to this vision tomorrow i may not get to this vision next month but i will get to this place because i love what i do it's you know people look at you as they pick up perspectives throughout their lives you understand to, to some people I'm j I was just the guitarist sitting in the hallway to others I was the cutter to others I was the you know the flirt with the guitar to others I was the you know etc 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 they pick up narratives but to me I was just trying to gain deeper knowledge shout out to Mr. Goldman and Cardozo by the way for always approach appreciating me and always uh pushing me to do better because he, he did motivate me when I had those chips on my shoulder. He said, this is not you. That is not you. You know you're different. This is not you. You are not angry. You are not ruthless. You are not X, Y, Z. Because my pops and mom were going through a divorce at the time and I felt angry. But he reinforced that in me of like, you need to do better on your instrument. You're playing for the wrong reasons. Because at a certain point, he was like, you sound great, but do you remember what you just did? Do you, can you play that back to me again? And I didn't, because like many of us, we just speak without meaning. We try to control things by speaking. And I think that surrendering to control is definitely something that I've just picked up in my life recently it was actually me coming back from brooklyn you know the jackie robinson at night at 3 a.m my uber driver uh you know he at a certain time period in the day the uber drivers become noticeably like they become newer like they're new uber drivers i don't know how to say like i had this guy you know hitting the pedals with both feet down the jackie robinson swerving at 3 a.m at about 70 miles an hour graveyards on each side of my each side of my uh, horizons which was actually looking back at it now it's it's very very deep 
but graveyards on both part, both sides of me, left and right, going 70 to 3 a.m., stressed out. And all I did was close my eyes, breathe in, and enjoy that trip and the flow. And it felt like God released me from all my troubles, all my burdens. You know, I'm not a very religious person, uh, spiritual, yes, but it felt like that moment was a moment of everything is going to be okay. This is life. There are graveyards on both sides of it. You won't get out of it alive. This is the speed. This is the time period. But you can fear if the driver's gonna crash or you can just be grateful for the ride and enjoy it. And surrendering control at the end of the day, you know, I know you said that we don't really have much control over things that happen. We don't, but we control how we react to them. And mm. we control how much love we give. Wow, brother. Thank you for that. We're going to get ready to wrap this up. As you see, thank you. and thank you for trusting the process, man. Uh, for those of you listening, I know you'll, you'll feel how the energy opens up. You know, I want to commend uh, Brother L over here for just uh, riding on the journey and trusting in it. Um, this is a question that he had proposed. Uh, it's like, what's your thing or secret to life, you know? So I feel like as we get to that. That's uh, the question. You know, this is, the, you know, we get heavy. And then we're, <laughs> we're going to end it a little lighthearted after that. But yeah, if you'd say like your thing or your secret to life, my guy. My secret to life. Um, that's a very, uh, it's a very hard question to answer at this time of my life because mm, you know mm, mm, we're mm. still fairly new here. We're just all loitering on Earth with a purpose. But um, my secret to life, I guess, would say, it used to be give it your all. It used to be plow through all the, kind of. Um, it used to be plow through all the barriers. Mm, mm, mm. Keep going. But throughout this pandemic, I've, you know, learned a lot of things about both myself and the inner world and the external world and people around me. And I'm grateful to actually have met you and uh, been able to connect with you here. But it's to stop chasing. What you chase implies that it's running from you. If you've ever tried to pet a cat, if you go after it, it'll run. But if you sit, it will come to you. Because the cat recognizes that it has its space. It has its ability. It's comfortable. And when it's ready, when you're ready, it will come to you. And I think that goes to surrender and control as well. You know, what we do, what we go through, it's all a part of the journey. It's all divinely timed out. It's all there for a reason. We just need to be authentic about it. We just need to do it with love, you know. We just need to, you know, give praise to the Most High, you know, Ja, Krishna, whatever you call him. Give it there. Nice, bro. So, you know, we're going to take it. We're both from the borough Queens, ah. but uh, I know you're now uh, living and sub-renting out in Brooklyn. Yes. I've been, uh, I've been living in Brooklyn for about a year, so uh, we always know. You know, I'm going to try to be a little impartial as I can. Uh, Brooklyn 
lot of people, a lot of venues, just an epicenter, you know, when I was kind of coming up in the music scene in the Lower East Side in downtown, uh, a lot of it, you know, the energy comes in when people are now moving into the city. They want to be in Brooklyn primarily. Uh, yeah. Everything from the way, like, there's certain real estate in Brooklyn that is now more expensive than spots in Manhattan. You know, it reminds me of when I was out in Oakland, San Francisco dynamic switching to the East Bay in Oakland, you know, so throughout a broad statement. Queens of Brooklyn, but oh, you gotta man. back it up with it. Or you could you could say things on both, but you know, this is a Queens of Brooklyn thing, not to say one is better than the other, but like what do they mean to you? Maybe you could take it that way. I don't I don't wanna feel like we gotta play favorites over here. But if you do, you know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? But I'ma just throw it to you as Queens of BK. I'm a, wow. I'm a, I'm gonna answer the question, but go ahead. You first. Go ahead. Oh, okay. If you if oh, come okay. to borough down below Queens of Brooklyn, what do you think? Yo, Queens of Brooklyn, and um, you know, for, shout out to everybody who's there. Um, my spirit animal is the Bronx, by the way. Just just <laughs> just to say that out there, like, my heart is is somewhere in the Bronx. Um, I love that. Yeah. So with Queens of Brooklyn, I'm gonna say you know I want to start off. I gotta show love. That's me. Why not show love? Like. My love of Brooklyn is this has been an anthropology class for me living here, mm. uh, holding space for people. Because normally I do this, but it's very, I would select when I would do that. I would be like, okay, I want to work on this workshop for two months with this series, and I'm going to go put myself out there. I'm going to find the space in that. Uh, shout out to Blank Bamboo. Shout out to Ayano. Shout out yeah. to Sims. Uh, this has been a place where, like, like you said with the cat, this is a place that is attracts due to the nature of the work we do here. You know, we set this up as a community work live space. So by nature, we have been dealing with uh, attracting people that are gravitating toward particularly what we do through our events, music, art, or utilizing the space that we have right. to create a platform. And I just give it to Brooklyn where I don't think something like this, it wouldn't have gone down definitely the way that it has gone down and is going down in 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 a queue, you know, in the queue. Mm. So um, that's it. I want to give Brooklyn his flowers on that. But for me, it is Queens uh, for me in terms of relatability uh, because of space. Yeah. Uh, my favorite thing in music is rest, the rest note. That's the most important part. Because every groove, you know, when you get nice, mm -hmm. like when I was learning, I was definitely green, wet behind the ears. It was about, oh, can I play it at this? Could I hit this tempo? Yeah, Could I did yeah, it at that? But now it's like, do, 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 do you listen? You know, right. like, that's why I love playing with Sims and that because, like, one of the brilliance, you know, that I see in, like, you know, Sims as an MD and other people that are, like, great musicians is, like, they're so attentive to what other things are doing in the music and they're very moving with it. And it's also, like, great people, just, like, great speakers, they know when to fall back. And what Queens is, is I think I love Queens for the same reason a lot of people dislike it, is a lot that you can fall back to. Like we were in, um, I was in Astoria Park on Saturday and the, the, the person I was with, she was like, yo, it's a Saturday and it's this emptied out on a beautiful Saturday. Mm -hmm. She was like, if we were in Brooklyn or in the, Bro it would have been packed. It would have been people just like you know, not giving a shit about, but she's like, yo, everybody here is like moving so differently. She, right. she felt like I took it to another planet, you know what I mean? And in a way yeah. it was there. And I was like, you know, this place allows me to be more chill, to see myself. 
and um, cancel the noise. So, you know, to me, Queens yeah. represents... Um, Nature, too. Yeah, it represents something there at Forest Park, Alipond Park, you know, a couple oh, couple spaces yeah. that have been very sacred for not yes. only my physical health, but my mental health. And, like, you know, even living in here, I, I find myself being down to take the, the trek over there because it brings something to me, and uh, I think that's what it is. So, you know, once again, Brooklyn for people... You know, to give it its flowers and that and the gathering of that, I understand this is an epicenter for particular things. But, you know, when it comes to where I'm at in life, you know, like I seek that space more and I seek to listen to myself more. Because one reason I was really excited about moving to Brooklyn is like, I'm going to be around all these great musicians. And like, as I got to meet them, no disrespect to any of them, I realized the person I need to be looking at the most is myself. So I was kind of like romanticizing, especially because, you know, in New York and particularly in Brooklyn, you have access to A levels. So like me coming from Queens, it was always a little bit of intimidation, like, woo. But then now being around these cats that like they may have the chops that I am seeking to gain or like, you know, the technical prowess. But now that does not mean as much to me anymore. It's like I'm trusting myself, being able to translate my story, being able to hear and bring what I feel into there. So, you know, for that... And for the win, I'm going with Queens. You well, know what I'm saying? Let me, let me ask you a question, just yeah. to just yeah. to kind of build up on that. Do you think that maybe you feel such a strong uh, attachment, a healthy attachment, let me put it that way. Do you feel that strong nature towards Queens? Because it's almost like you're kind of healing some of the parts of your childhood as well, through living through it now as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. I never really... I always acknowledge where I'm from, particularly Southside Jamaica. You know what I mean? Because you know, there's Jamaica. There's a part. I'm from Sutphin. You know, like oh, I feel. Sutphin. I'm from Sutphin. Okay, okay. I'm from Sutphin Boulevard. I started my play with. I'm from the north so side of Southside Jamaica, Queens, Sutphin Boulevard, a few blocks away from South Road. I remember the sounds. Uh, that's what's up. That's what it is for me. Like it allows me to hear something, and because it's less. Even to this podcast, right? We turned off certain sounds to listen, right? We're both musicians, but yet we come to this silent thing to discover something about ourselves. We come to the rest notes to find the groove. You sit back in a concert and listen to the music to be able to do that, you know? And I think why I've identified it is 100% due to a healing process because... You know, whenever I lived in uh, the suburbs of that, I always went toward BK. I was this is my first time really doing a lease lease like that because I would just do the suburb thing because I, I looked at it as like this is a temporary thing of motion. Right. I travel a lot and due to once again COVID and that, and you know my choices that I've made like that traveling has not been as present for me. So. Queens is a place, uh, literally, like, the diversity of it. I've yes. heard the most diverse yes. place on the planet. The ethno-diversity, the, the cuisine diversity. And what I like about Queens is, like, it doesn't need to show off. No. It's... And then people go, Queens, why would I go there? And I go, exactly. Yeah. It's because I need to see myself more than I need to be seen by others. So that's it. I don't give a love to everybody. My my heart is there, but I give a rat's ass about impressing anybody. And I think the last bit of that that was in me that was seeking like um, external validation, just to keep it a buck since we're talking about mental health, I realized I've always been valid. I always will be valid. And yeah, I can 
but I don't need to look at some Grammy Award winning musician. I could listen to like a cricket in Forest Park and catch the sickest rhythm ever. Yeah. So I realized there never isn't music. There never isn't anything. And the space allows me to see that. So, you know, uh, at this point in my life, I am seeking to see myself, to acknowledge myself. You know, I believe the all love stems from your capacity of self-love. Absolutely. You can only love anything to a degree that you love yourself, you right. know? I used to reverse that. You know, I used to be like, oh, when I get super, super ill at this instrument guitar, yeah. or, yo, when my vocal this and I can yeah. hit all these notes and do a 75-part harmony, then I'll love myself, you know what I mean? But the right. truth is you gain your skills through that love you know so i know i know i hit a lot of lefts and right but that's how it is in queens when y'all bitch about the directions out there you know what i mean there's like it's about you're supposed to get lost and be able to find yourself and you're supposed to be all right not knowing where you're at because it makes you figure out things by your intuition the same way my man larry young got on the giddy so i'm I'm gonna throw the question to him to wrap that up with that and any closing statements i appreciate you saying that you you basically took a lot of the uh, ideas that i was gonna say about Queens I want to say though I want to just kind of pivot towards Brooklyn because I'm new here um, I love Brooklyn um, it's I've always had a kind of connection to Brooklyn because my family has lived out here my uncle but they lived in the Coney Island they lived in the Russian part of Brooklyn they live in the Soviet part shout out to Luna Park out shout there. out to Luna Park that's right <laughs> um, I like Brooklyn uh, just because I like the coffee out here that I ain't gonna hold you man coffee is my shit man I've been drinking more tea and tea has kind of made me feel more calmer and shit but a good cup of coffee will knock the socks on my fucking feet all day so I will say that about Brooklyn but Queens is Queens definitely has that 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 area of zen to it you know it's it's this place of diversity you know we from Queens all know what Roosevelt uh, Avenue feels like. You know, we all know, you know, the churl lady, the mango lady, you know, you you have all these beautiful aspects of Queens. You have all these different roots into different cultures. I've learned more about Indian culture because I'm from Queens and I'm around a beautiful Indian community. I've learned about Guyanese culture because I've had a lot of Guyanese friends growing up. I've learned about African American history after African American, uh, you know, culture, and all because I've been around that. Thanks to Queens, we're all surrounded by that. So I want to say, I want to say Brooklyn, but I also want to say Queens. Damn, it's 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 tough. It's complicated. It's complicated. But I will say, I will say. Um, Brooklyn does have more opportunities, but Queens definitely feels like coming back to your, to your roots. You know, it's nobody needs an introduction to Mozart. That kind of stuff. So if you're from Queens, you know, drop a like, drop a comment down below. If you're from Brooklyn, drop a like, a comment below. Let us know which ones y'all like, why it's better. Um, yeah. All right, brother. Uh, thank you. This 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 went really. Why well, I love doing this is right. 
like a good piece of music you can plan oh yeah but it's gonna go and do what it's okay. going to do you know so for those of you who don't know this process has been like we brainstorm we build on questions but then when we hit that record button we allow it to be what it is so uh, any final thoughts brother larry on you know what i mean well i want to say thank you for your time thank you for uh you know hosting this thank you to the listeners i want to give you all a shout out you know obviously you've been on this journey with us you've been on this journey with me why as well uh, and I'm really grateful that you're a part of it. I have some music coming out next month. You're, you know, I would love it. I would absolutely love it if you could experience that with me. Um, follow me on my Instagram, Larion Music, L-A-R-I-O-N Music, for some very spicy things. And uh, yeah, thank you. Always love yourself and always find the right way to come up to any thing in your life and give it love it can be a situation that has hurt you for a while it can be a situation that haunts you at night it can be a situation or a person that you just don't see eye to eye together but give it love and i'll give you one piece of advice before we wrap this up we get mad at people because we think that they think just like us when we accept that they have different perspectives and that they have different aspects and they have different approaches and karmas to life we can learn how to love ourselves and we can learn how to love them even through the tough moments mm. with that said y'all we are officially wrapped up why not show love episode 12 season 2 number 2 we out of here we out of here Woo. Skirt.